Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, you know, it's been a while since you and I went wine tasting. Well, there was that incident, Rick. Oh, right, right, right. Why did we have that goat with us anyway? I don't remember, but I know it was your idea. He, he did have a – actually, he did have a pretty good palate. I think I remember that. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, all right. well, now it's harvest season and a great time to go wine tasting in wine country with or without a goat. Um, we have some tips today to make it even more fun. First tip, leave the goat at home. That and more. Plus, listeners <laughs> ask, what does Burgundian taste like? We have some rosé-related questions, including one about rosé beer. Yes, there's a thing. Our pal David Martin and Davis ask if French wine looks different from American wine. Apparently, a high-ranking official uh, brought that up. And our horrible <laughs> wine writing shows yet again how impossible it would be to actually choose a wine based on magazine wine descriptions. By the way, a couple reminders. We are yet one more time still being carried by our friends at Capital Public Radio on their podcast lineup, Paul. That's amazing. Right there, recommended podcasts along with all those big names on NPR. I know. Well, I think the idea is to keep them humble. By, <laughs> by be- associating with us. Exactly. Right? A good plan. Yeah, that's right. We're also yeah. on Napa Broadcasting Network. comes out of Napa Valley College. Yes, I started my 25th year teaching there. You were, you were eight when you started, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They were a little, the kids were a little unhappy with you, if I remember. <laughs> and, of course, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Rick and Paul Wine. You can go there and ask us a question anytime. Anytime. All right, Paul, let's go wine tasting. Okay, let's go wine tasting. Okay, so here's the thing. We're going to give you some tips, but really there isn't much you can do wrong. And despite all those idiotic clickbait stories that say something like 31 things you're doing wrong in a tasting room. That that was actually based on an afternoon with you, wasn't it, Rick? Well, yeah, I got 30 of them, by the way. <laughs> I, I should have stayed a little longer and I got that last one. got the last one. <laughs> but a tasting room is supposed to be a happy place. It's not a place with final exams or oral tests. I, no, and it's, you know, there's one, and one of the things that drives me nuts, and it's so much in, it's our culture of communication now, unfortunately, but it's so, so much more prevalent in wine, which is that, you know, this, it's again, clickbait stuff. So one of the websites that is really decently aimed at regular folks, they really yeah. try to do it. And yet they keep asking, having headlines that say, we asked 10 wine pros, what's the most common mistake people make in, in wine country? And mistake number one, listening to Rick and Paul. That's true. That's true. Although uh, most of them don't do it in wine country because they have better things to do when they're there. <laughs> you know, and the truth of it is the advice was mostly nice. And yet even they all started, well, the mistake they make. Right. And, and right. you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's this premise is we're all idiots and that we're going to make fools of ourselves without professional guidance. Well, Rick. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> you are a fool. You make a fool of yourself. You're a professional and you still screw things up. So See, that's the point. So why worry about it? <laughs> All right. So there is one thing we want to warn you about, Paul. The goat. Uh, the other thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, oh, yeah. True. Fair enough. Most of the time when you're visiting wine country, it's when the weather's nice because it's not raining. Yep. And if the weather's nice, the inside of your car gets hotter than an oven. And if you buy wine and leave it in your car, it'll be cooked before you get home that night. Yeah. And that's not a good plan. Yeah, and it's really easy. I mean, if the car just even hits 80 degrees and you remember your car is like a little convection oven. You know, yes, it, it is. It'll, it'll, it'll pop those corks. And, and so you know, bring a cooler... Yeah, I, I've learned actually a, a tip watching a friend of mine who's actually smarter than me, which is not hard. 
<laughs> Beat you to it. <laughs> I was just remarking that you would have had a friend. Yes, well, he is much more than me. But he's got like an insulated bag just in right. his car all the exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah, it's yep. for going to the store. It's for going to wine country, yep. whatever. So yep. We do the same. Yep. yep, yep, yep. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about stuff. And, and, you know, once again, there's like nothing you could do wrong. But um, it's, these are suggestions. Um, really unless kind of, you're Rick. <laughs> but besides, besides <laughs> that, don't be me. Don't be Rick. But here's this kind of stuff that we have found like – I found I try to keep it even on a day that I really want to sort of try different places is three wineries generally is max. Yep. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. And mm-hmm. and in fact the the most of the statistics I've seen see that say that most people who visit wine country actually do fewer than that. Yeah. It's it's fewer than two actually. Yeah, and and it's true and actually one of the things that a lot of folks do and I like this is that they 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 spend their time, you know, at a place and yep. and you know enjoy it and whether it's have a meal there or something but just or well, wander or they around. they go to or, a winery uh-huh. and then they go have lunch and by then it's 2:30 in the afternoon and they start thinking about the drive home and uh-huh. maybe they stop in at one more on the way home but that's the right way to do it. Yeah. This idea of going up and trying to hit 17 wineries because you're looking for the best Pinot Noir, trust me, by the time you hit winery number four, you will not be focused. Yeah, your palate's going to be gone, for if, if nothing else. So yep. um, another, another point probably to make is that it never hurts to make appointments. Right. At least at one or two of the places, yep. especially if you're going. You know, I, I always suggest if you're going to do it, do one tour. Don't do more than one because they're going to be similar. Pretty similar. But if you're thinking about touring a place, even if they don't require an appointment, it's always a good idea to make one. And if you do call ahead, particular if you're Rick, give them somebody else's name. Yeah, I, I always use – well, I don't use Paul's name because that's almost as bad. So I, I use Anthony Van Hook, you know, our, our friendly producer. People like Anthony. I don't know <laughs> For I, some reason. I don't know why, but For some they, they let him in so. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. So, and then you mentioned lunch, but I'm also going to just vote for whether it's going out to a restaurant or whether it's having a picnic. Uh, eat some food while you're tasting wine because it'll help keep you more or less sober. Yeah. And one of my favorite things, I got to say, is is bringing a picnic along um, uh-huh. when you go wine tasting. Yeah. I, you know, you buy a bottle from the tasting room. Now, one of the things, and there are places are Napa, your yep. your home valley, and my former home valley for work. Um it's limited where you can picnic. There are a handful of places where you can, but you, you need can. to check. Yeah. Um, in the yeah. California foothills, down Santa Barbara, you know, really most of the rest of California. I know in most of the wineries in the Willamette Valley, for example, plenty and plenty of places yeah. I've been told. I was out and, in— and pic- uh, Picnics well, are nice say. if you know the area pretty well. If you don't know the area, I think it's more fun to walk into a tasting room and say, love the wines. Listen, we're looking for a place to lunch. What do you recommend? Yeah. And yeah. you get some great advice from people in the tasting rooms. Yeah, and a lot of times, especially in wine country, that if you buy a bottle from one of the wineries, they won't charge a corkage. Right. Um, you know, it, right. it's like local is free. Um, yep. You yep. know, and if they sent you bring a bottle and say, go, say to that, folks, hey, they sent us here. They sent us here. You're pretty much going to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on that so yep. um, you know another thing I, I like to try to do and and they always w- try to stop me uh, is is run naked <laughs> through the vineyards no not actually the naked part but just get out in the vineyards you know uh-huh. it's I've been around this business for a couple of decades now you've been here for more than a century and <laughs> and, and yet you and know yet. getting out in the vineyards just, especially a vineyard you've never been before it's well, just beautiful it's yeah, fun and I, it doesn't even have to be a vineyard just being you out know, in the country being yeah. out in the country, and, you know, if you don't go into a vineyard, go for a walk. There are state parks, there are county parks, there are other places. Take the t- 
time to go out and walk around, get a sense of what the the ec- the ecology of the area is a little bit, and get some fresh air. And it yeah. makes a big difference in how you approach the wines later. Yeah, and I do think also that I mean, look, wine country is beautiful by nature because it's it's ag. You know, there's green. By there's nature. By na- it's nature. Well, is that a pun, Rick? Cause... No, because you know, puns are the worst kind of humor, Paul. And you were about to try to do one. <laughs> so just, just a warning. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but, um, but so it's, it's always beautiful country, anyway. And yes. and so it is. You know, enjoy it. Don't just go for the wine. And yeah. it's a pretty easy thing to do. So when you get into the tasting, yeah. What happens when you walk in the tasting room? Well, Don't go all natural at that point. Oh, so th- right. You d- keep your clothes on. Keep your clothes on. Keep the goat in the car. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, but my suggestion is is don't read the tasting notes. Okay. And and yeah. you, you know we've actually well there's lots of reasons but we have seen studies our friends at uh, Cornell University have done this yes. study um, over and over again. Yeah, where yeah. you know they that. T- having tasting room notes in the tasting room versus not yeah. at the same wineries yeah. you know, and across the board in size and style yeah. hurt sales. Hurt sales. It turns people away. Yeah. So and, don't don't even bother. And you know, the, go the, in and and you know what I like. Just ask them. Go in and and say, tell me the story of your winery. Don't tell me how you made this wine. Tell me the story of your winery. Who owns this winery? Why did they start a winery? Yeah. Who? What are they like? Yeah, and if they they might tell you, yeah, because and you almost you know, there's a lot of nice people working in tasting, but they're going to start by saying, they start to pour you, and you, we've all if you've been tasting more than once, you've seen this position. Um, this is our our 2017 Chardonnay whole cluster fermentation, blah, 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 uh, nine blah, blah, months blah, blah, in new blah, French oak, blah yeah, yeah. blah blah, apples, green peas, blueberries, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> blueberries are not common in Chardonnay. Stone but, roses, yeah, stone roses, minerality, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the uh, uh, you know, and so if you can sort of cut them off very nicely and say, you know what. Just tell me about, like Lisa said, what's the history or where or where where were these grapes coming from? Or you know, tell them, describe the vineyard to me, and you get, right. they'll get all misty eyed on you in a, in a nice way too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. And then when you're tasting it, really, I think that there's really only one question. The first question is, do I do you like it? Right. And right. then you can go, yeah, why? What is I like about it? And then if you want to play around and pick out stuff, then you play with each other. Ask if you're with somebody. If you're by yeah. yourself, it's your, it's going to be a little more difficult having a conversation. Yeah, you don't want to play with yourself. No. I was, I was not going to go there, Paul. <laughs> so, so now we're doing yeah. puns and, and bathroom humor. And fine. bathroom humor. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, is, you brought up natural. You know, so. you know. We, uh, there, there's an actual NPR station that puts us on their podcast list. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Just saying. We've taken care of that. We have certain standards so, so, to keep up. <laughs> so here's here's a tip from those of us who are, A, a little older, don't metabolize alcohol quite so quickly, and are cheapskates anyway, which is go ahead well, and feel— for, I, I can certainly uh, confirm the first and third part of there that, you go. Paul. The fir- is <laughs> go ahead and split the tasting. Well, that's a you good idea anyway. You don't have to buy a tasting for every person in the group. Go ahead and say, it's okay, we'll share a glass. Yeah, and actually what, what I like to do, because I try to metabolize as much alcohol as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. But is to, if I go with somebody, or my, uh, particularly my lovely wife, um, is to uh, get two different tastings. You know, when the places that order, then and then you get to taste six wines or eight wines or whatever, right. and you share right. them back and forth. And, and, and the other part of this is, and this is something I teach every one of my students at Napa Valley College learned to spit. Yes. You don't have to finish the wine in your glass and you don't have to swallow what's in your mouth. Just spit it out. 
Um, you will the the afternoon will seem much more pleasant if you start spitting at ten thirty in the morning. And you know, it, there's plenty of time to drink wine. You buy that bottle and you have it later. Absolutely. Or, yeah, but you know, it's um, and spitting is not hard. It really is not hard. And if you want to practice, it's never a bad idea to at least try it with a little bit of water the first time. It's, yep. Yeah, because it's it's yeah. Do drink a lot of water. That's and, the other. And drink, and drink, drink a lot, lot of water. water. Yep. yep. Good. Um, one other thing too, I think to throw in is that when you are wine tasting with uh, at a place, and it's okay to not love the wine too. Um, yes, you know, of course. Yeah, if you can, and you don't have to tell them what is this swill you're pouring me. But no, in fact, I'm always very nice, and I say thank you very much. This is very helpful. But yeah, I'll be walking out of here and buying wine somewhere else because thank you very much. Yeah. This was this was nice, but. Yeah, and and one other tip about you know calling ahead sometimes if you have questions is always a good idea. Um, some wineries will even let you bring a dog. Many won't. Um, but almost none of them will let you bring a goat. But most of them will not let you take a goat. We have found that out. <laughs> All right. Well, some other things we've found out. We're going to answer uh, in, or explain to you in some of the questions that listeners ask us. None of them have questions about goats, however. Um, but <laughs> somehow you, I find that reassuring. Right? Yes. And yet they listen to us. Uh, thank you for listening to Ball Talk, by the way. And it's time uh, to, to go through some of your questions. If you'd like to ask us one, our website, rickandpaulwine.com. Uh, our social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handle is Rick and Paul Wine. And we are, of course, on Apple Podcasts if that's not where you're listening to us. Yep. All right. So we got, did a couple things on Rosé not so long ago and got a couple questions. Okay. Uh, one is a really good one, actually. Not that the other one's bad. Yeah, and, and but no, don't I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Yeah, I don't want to be trashing Mark uh, for the second question. But this first one's from Tricia in Healdsburg, <laughs> and, and she asks, "How dark can a rosé be uh, before it's considered a red wine? Is there a rule or a limit of some kind?" And, and she says, "Well, I'm asking, is there a color about color of whites and rosés? Is there a dividing line where a little bit of pink would still be a white wine?" And the answer to the question is no. Nope. No. no. Uh, rosé is in the eye of the maker. Whoever makes it can decide, I'm going to call this rosé, or I can, if it's a little darker, I can call it rosé. And if it's really dark, I can call it red wine. And if it's very pale, usually they don't call, uh, if, if they're making a white wine from red grapes, they usually don't call it white. They may call it rosé, or they may call it blanc de noir, which is just French for white from black grapes. Yeah. Although, uh, somewhat ironically, the very first white Zinfandels in California were stone white. Yeah. Um, they yeah. were completely filtered. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a story for another time, but um, it's a good story. Yeah. And that yeah. is actually those rosés, white Merlot, white Cabernet, right. white Zinfandel, are all, in fact, not white. They're all pink. Yeah. Although um, you can find white Merlot uh, mm-hmm. in bottled. There, yeah. are, there are a handful of places that do that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the um, and but you can always uh, count on some of the really awful wine writers to tell you about the seven different colors the wine is anyway. It's yes. a light straw salmon with the viscosity on the, never mind. Pale pink salmon straw. Yeah. 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 Uh, this one is from Mark in Truckee. He says, I saw, I saw some story about rosé beer. Uh, really? Any good? Well, well, Rick, you're a big fan of rosé beer. I, I, uh, I can say yes to the really. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're any good. There's also, by the way, rosé vodka and energy drinks and oh, yeah. ice cream oh, yeah. and you name well, it. Well, to be fair, one of the things that's happened in the last 10 years, really, has been an absolute explosion of creativity when it comes to what 
commercial producers put in the bottle. Yeah. Uh, so you had beer, you had wine, you had spirits, and now you've got all sorts of people blending all sorts of things together. Well, and to particularly in the craft beer world, there's yep. all kinds of stuff going yep. on there. And spirits. Yeah, and spirits too. You know? Yeah, but in, in beer, uh, and there's, they do, there's all kinds of rosé beers actually. Um, there are some that would be considered... <laughs> Classic, if they because they're a year old, <laughs> which is what they did is they blend rose wine and right. and and beer. Another is to do the fermentation with some grapes as part of the ferment. Part of the fermentation, um, it can only be. I had to look this up. Forty nine percent of the fermentable, whatever that exactly means, it can be can be non grain. So or or it's not beer. Or it's not then beer. it would be beer flavored rose. Yes. Instead of rosé. Yes, so there couldn't wine. be wine because then it would be uh, uh never yeah. mind. You'd go down the road. Yeah. But so the answer is yes and they they taste all kinds of different ways depending how they make it. Some of them put in rosé flavoring, some of them you know brew it together, some of them. Yeah. So there are they are across the board. I say Go for it. Send us a note. Tell us what you think. Uh, better you than me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's it for questions for now. We will have more in just a bit. But, you know, uh, this is the good part of the show, Paul. We oh, are good. Coming up next, we have some really horrible wine writing. Yep. Yeah, we do. And uh, these are not about beer. These are about wine. Yep. Um, and, and these are actually um, – this is – the great example why uh, Paul and I are always so exasperated, uh, besides the fact we hang out with each other, um, <laughs> which is, is that they all sound the same. So but this Rick, is. You said you like hanging out with me. Yes. Well, there's because you make me feel young <laughs> and smart and good looking. <laughs> you know, it's, good to know. Yes. Good uh, to know. So the kick here. This was from Cabernets for Grilling with suggestion that you could quote. Grab one of these no-fuss cabs. Right. And here's the problem. A magazine is writing descriptions of 5, 10, 15, 20 different wines, all of the same, more or less, varietal makeup and style. And now they've got 20 different descriptions of what is basically the same wine. And boy, is that tough to read. Right. Also, there's this. These no-fuss cabs start at $60 and go up to 210 Ouch. Well, right there, there's a fuss. Yeah. What, like, so the fuss cabs start at two, 211 I'm sorry. The, yeah. the fuss cab starts when I pull my wallet out and yeah, that's I'm going to make a fuss. All right. So, Paul, so you have a couple. Let's, yep. let's look at the differences and see how much these would help you choose your wine. Here we go. Number one. This wine conveys density, but its richness is sublimated by the complex structure and beautiful ripe fruit. Its power comes from the structure as much as the fruit. I don't know what that means. Neither does the writer. Yes, yes. But, you know, it sounds... Did I read it? I mean, I kind of read it like it, you know, it meant something, right? It, it, it sounded like you were earnest there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's number two. Dark and thick in the glass. So is this pudding? This is you. Dark and thick in the glass. The palate is soft and extremely expressive with black currant, black pepper, firm mid-palate tannins, and a finish that's redolent of cappuccino candles, candies. Okay, so here's where you'll hear from a few of these uh, as we go that there's really similar words except for Cappuccino candies? Redolent. Redolent of, of cappuccino yes, candies. and the finish is redolent. Is redolent. Now, normally when you talk about a finish, there is a certain amount of textural element to it as well as some aromatics and some flavor. This is apparently the finish only smells. Right, because that's redolent. Is sm- it's a and big it smell. it smells of cappuccino candies. I have a question. Yep. How do you smell the finish? 
I don't know how you smell a cappuccino candy. I've never had a cappuccino I don't know. candy. And why would they be? Why would cappuccino candy, candy dip be different than say cappuccino? <laughs> I'm just guessing. Okay. You know? Here's right. number three. We're okay. on a roll. This is a beautiful wine at this price point, which is eighty nine dollars. So it ding well better be beautiful. It, yeah, it better be beautiful yeah. at eighty nine dollars. This is a beautiful wine at this price point. It will stay with you long after it's gone. Yeah, so is your money. So, yeah. Yeah, sounds like Rick. <laughs> Opening in cedar, clove, and blackberry, it follows with a dusting of toasted oak before it offers a lingering thread of mineral in the form of crushed rock, violet, red and black current, structured as it goes. Uh, this is that's another one that's gibberish. Okay, so here's one of the things I think is fascinating. It offers a lingering thread of mineral. Okay, that mineral is composed of crushed rock, violet, red, and black current. Only one of those things is mineral. The rest of those are fruits and flowers. So that's not actually a thread of mineral. It's a thread of mineral, well, well, vegetable, and well, maybe the la- noun. La- <laughs> See, you shouldn't have to do this. The noun clause is the thread of. Mineral in the form of crushed rock ah. and violet, red, and black current. Red and red and black current. <laughs> okay, so what we've got is a Somebody grammar issue. Somebody needs to go back Plus, to high school. I want to know what structured as it goes means. <laughs> well, I want to know how that he sounds knows. sounds like a loan. I want to know how he knows the rock was crushed. That, well, there's that too. It could have just been gently broken. or it, Right. Wait, you never know. Maybe maybe it just fell apart on its own. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally not crushed. Okay, right. you got three. I got three. I'm going to read them all at once, and you tell me how different they are. Okay. We've got the aromas draw into the inky glass evolve, evoking black currant, blackberry, and exotic spices, including black pepper. Okay, that's funny. That's black. The flavors show depth and hedonism, and the finish seems endless. Here's the next okay. one. Inky in the glass. Sounds familiar. This friction structured bottling offers a plump blackberry, black currant aroma with pinches of pepper and <laughs> tightly woven oak. The palate lands softly and the tannins rise up. Then the third one. This suave, seductive wine opens with a for- forward aromas of, here we go, black currant, blackberry, and mentholated plum. Now, there's your difference, whatever <laughs> you know, the heck that know, Rick, is. The last time I had a mentholated plum. <laughs> you were as a cold, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never had a mentholated yeah. plum. Um, opulent dark fruit flavors are framed by bold, lifted tannins. Once again, whatever that means. So the tannins lift up in the first, in the second one. As opposed to rising up tannins. They rise up so, or they lift up. So some are climbing, others are forcing the well, way. No, some are way. slowly rising yeah. and the others are lifting themselves And yet up. it's all the same, all the same fruits. These all sound the same. like dark red wines. Yes. And this yeah. is the problem. So how do I choose one of these? I choose the one that is the least expensive. I want the one with the mentholated plum. Well, that there you go. I think <laughs> I think I could just have a cough drop. <laughs> All right. Anyway, there we go. There's our helpful wine wine yeah. magazine reviews aye, for aye, today. Aye. All right. So I think it's probably we should take a few more questions to be helpful. Good. Somebody needs to be around here, and it's not going to be the wine magazine. <laughs> it's not likely to be us either. All right. This is from Sherry in Santa Barbara. She says, we went wine tasting, and this one place bragged about how their wines were Burgundian. Yes. We don't. We didn't like them all that. We liked them at all because they seemed kind of thin and light and not very fruity. I guess, is it supposed to be like Burgundy? But what does Burgundian style mean? Were these guys Burgundian or just bad? She says bad with a capital B. Bad Burgundian with a capital B. Is Burgundian, yeah. 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 Well, uh, Burgundy, obviously, place in France where they make pretty good wine. And the irony is that some California winemakers seem to think that Burgundy makes very thin, tight, lean wines. They don't. Uh, these days, wines in Burgundy are 
pretty rich and ripe yes. and admittedly have a little higher acid than wines in California. Maybe a bit more earthy tones than but, we're used to. But, but yeah, I think, frankly, it's very difficult for people in California to make wines that are Burgundian because if they really want to make Burgundian wines, you know what they should do, Rick? Get wines from Burgundy. They should go to Burgundy. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. California. Um, what what they probably mean is we pick the grapes a little earlier because right. it's not as warm in Burgundy as it is in California, and so they can't let the grapes get as ripe as we get them in California. But in those years where it's really hot in Burgundy, they do let them get really ripe. So it's a more a question of not winemaking style so much as climate. Yeah. And it turns out that it sounds like Sherry doesn't like Burgundian wine, so she should look for people who make wines in a California style. Yeah. Although, though, I, I, it's a pretty good description, but it really is, it almost boils down to they make their wines at a lower alcohol and higher acid. They think that's Bur- Burgundian. But don't let what you taste in California called a Burgundian put you off of wines from Burgundy. Right. They're, that's they, right. They are different. They are different. Try, try them. Yep. Um, yep. Yes. All right. And this one is from our old friend and loyal listener, David Martin in dear, Davis. Dear heavens, David Martin. He's been with us a while, David. Yeah, well. You must have better things to do. You seem like a smart guy. You sure he's not from... Well, anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. But anyway, yes, a good question. Does wine actually look better? Does American wine actually look better than French wine? You guys might... This is him. You might not want to tackle this because, one, it could be seen as political... Uh, and note is a non-drinking public official. Nonetheless, said he prefers American wine over French wine because American wine looks better than French wine. <laughs> and two, David said, it's a really stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty funny question. And of course, um, uh, you can't tell the difference by looking at them between French and American of wines. Course you unless, cannot. of course, the label is on the bottle. And then it's really a question of whose graphic designed you. Now, it may be a question of which wine looks better on your table. And then you just have to decide with what your house decor is and all the rest. But We talk about the wine bottle now. The wine bottle. Yeah. The glass, put a glass of wine in front of somebody and say, don't smell it. Just tell me what. Don't taste it. French or California. And they're going to say, yes, it is. It's, yes. And in fact, the the, uh, the great Paris tasting where Napa bested the best of right. France was, they, they obviously couldn't tell the difference. They do these kinds of tastings all the time. They couldn't tell the difference in how they looked, Wine looks how the they same. smelled, how they tasted. Yeah, it's the That's same right. all around the world. Yep. And some people don't want to admit that things are the same all around the world, but I don't want to get political here, Paul. <laughs> So, as a matter of fact, uh, we just want to say, uh, uh, David, uh, uh, you since you listen to us regularly, you do know who to ask stupid questions of. <laughs> you got a stupid question. We're your people. We're your guys. Well, all right. Okay. Well, that's it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paula and us being st- taking st- stupid answers. Stupid answers to good questions. That's us. <laughs> Our producer is Anthony Van Hook, who lets us use his name so we can get in tasty rooms. Our Thank you, Anthony. Our producer is Jeremy Marin. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup. Paul, their what kind of podcast lineup? The recommended exactly podcast lineup. Exactly right. And look for us at, or ask us a question even, at rickandpaulwine.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And once again, that's at rickandpaulwine. Easy to find. If you learned anything today, we hope it's this simple point point. Go wine tasting. Have fun. No worries. I still say leave the goat at home. One worry. I'm Rick Cushman. (laughs) I'm Paul Wagner. Remember the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially with us. Mm